Welcome to Blue Collar Love, the podcast dedicated to all things Starflyer 59. My name is Samuel, and she's got wires in her head. This is Aaron, so Velvet Blue's got to you. <laughs> um, so, Aaron, today we are tackling a project that um, we actually promised all the way back in last November, and for those that are listening in the future, November 2019. And uh, it is now... February 2020. Um, we're just running a little bit behind, you know. We are some bad boys. We are some bad, bad boys. <laughs> so, um, today is Pony Express, the Eastwood Dive. So, P- Pony Express's debut album. And um, a lot of this, I'm just kind of discovering as we go along. Um, a lot of, I didn't grow up with Starflyer 59. I always knew that they existed. But go listen to episode zero if you, you want to know about all that. Um, but this album, um, yeah, I don't have a lot of back baggage with it. I, I, this is kind of my first time listening to it, um, for review at least. Aaron, what's your thoughts? Um, how how has this album affected you? Because I think you've been with it a little, little bit longer than me. Yeah, um, I, this is I discovered this around. I can't remember. Velvet Blue music just seems like it's always been a part of my life because I came in with it with the Starfire um, connection, obviously. So I, I can't remember if I got this when it came out in 97 or like around 2000 because I think I got a record player for the first time around that time. And that's when I started hearing Velvet Blue music. But So it's been at least, I guess, almost 20 years that I've been listening to this album. So um, I've got a lot of I got a lot of connections to this album. Fair enough. Um, for those that don't know, Pony Express is the Jeff Cloud fronted band. Um, Jeff Cloud is the bass player for a, a little chunk of Starfire 59's discography, which we'll get into as we go on in the future. And he was also the synthesizer player in the live band for Joy Electric. Ooh, that is good to know. Further le- leads further credence to my uh, Joy Electric Starfire 59 are just kind of a Siamese twin thing for me because um, there's so much crossover there. But in this, uh, Jeff isn't playing um, bass, at least that we're aware of. As far as I know, he's lead vocals and he is guitar. Um, A guy named Daryl Mitchell, who was in another kind of indie underground band, was playing bass. And the one and only Jason Martin was playing drums on this. And he was also producing, um, which we'll get into this in a minute but oh my goodness you can hear jason's production fingerprints all over this album where did you get the where did you get, get the info for that about the that jason played drums on this so i was just digging for any information i could find on this project because it's, it's really scant on the internet there is not, not too much um about this album and i happened to find one review from like 2000 and 2001 where they mentioned that was the person lineup playing uh you know who played what instruments and stuff like they didn't even have the instrument lineup on um, discogs which that's usually pretty reliable for getting who played what yeah i looked there too in other places i couldn't find any of that that's why i was asking and because as a song we'll talk about later i was like that sounds like jason and drums from previous things that he played drums on but that's pretty cool that you found that yeah and then the album is engineered by Bob Moon, 
Um, so I guess he decided to, I almost get the feeling this started out as like a tooth and nail project, but then tooth and nail chose not to distribute it. Um, and so in retaliation, Jeff cloud started velvet blue music. I don't know if that's, that's true. A, that's a pretty good is. theory because of a song they will talk about that might be very close on Sam, I mean. <laughs> yeah, like that that's just that's what this album the drift I get. Um so let's go ahead and dive right in song by song. This album, um, I will say it's very brisk. Each song is I don't think any of them clock in over three minutes. I could be wrong, I have to double check, but they're all a lot of them are really short. There's so let's just two, start I think with, they're like three and minutes but pretty much the bulk are like two minutes or less <laughs> yeah so let's go ahead and start um aaron lead us off with let the good lord guide you what did you think of this song well the good lord has guided us to this wonderful album that's where he's guided us um i like the slow stuttering intro the minor chord this song is minor chord central um th- this song's decent and it's a good good representation of the whole album um as the whole is Going forth, this is pretty much the formula for the album. Um, but on this version of the sound on this album, nothing really stands out to me on this uh, song, um, except for the l- lyric, I'm sorry, Riverside has wrecked your life. <laughs> I love it when people from a, their own town, like, bash their own hometown. So it's like, Riverside's wrecked your life. I will giggle every time I, um, I hear that. Um, so I see a song about broken marriage. Um and so, sounds like it happened something happened in september to the whoever the song's about um there's another reference to september later on this album too so something happened to jeff or somebody close to him in september um i have not much to say about that except this is probably my sixth favorite song on the album take it sammy so um i was actually just listening to another podcast today um it was called uh it's a magnified pod they reviewed all of um mxpx's stuff and then um, now they're reviewing five iron frenzy which is in my top five favorite bands of all time i love them and so i was listening to their review of all, all the hype money can buy and during that time period lead singer primary lyricist reese roper was going through like a, a major breakup from like a engagement and it made the whole entire album super dark and kind of depressing and i kind of get the feeling of that from this album as well um of you know you're right some something was happening in someone's personal life that was really affecting this album though shout out to magnified pod awesome guys you should go listen to them um yeah let they, the, they, also, they also interviewed bob moon too and i love five iron frenzy too these are not my pants is the best song though i'll fight you <laughs> Maybe someday we'll just, like, do a rundown of them here. I don't know. So, uh, let the good Lord guide you. Um, immediately, I uh, find it interesting that even though Martin is playing drums, this sounds like a gold B-side. Um, like, really, th- this album sounds like a gold B-side to me. But I also find it interesting how there's really no chorus to speak of, but rather just, like, a repeating guitar line that kind of acts as the hook. Um, which is musically interesting, at least. And like you said, the lyrics seem to be about a friend or maybe even himself breaking off an engagement, particularly the line, throw the gold ring away. And um, he's trying to comfort either them or himself. 
And I do like the the contrast between um, the first and second verse. When the first verse goes, when September first erases, but then later in the second verse he says September then replaces, which I think is a a nice little contrast there, um, almost uh, bordering into poetry territory. Yes, and I will say that that, that the lyrics, which so these lyrics are. I love you, Jason, but these <laughs> these are very different from Starfire lyrics. At this point in the career, they become more poetic, but at this point, not so much. And I do love the the gold ring that used to uh, that used to be the backbone of your frame. Uh, man, just paints a I mean a tragic picture, but a very real and clear picture. So I really love that line. Fair enough. All right, Aaron, um, that's that's that song. That's the opener. What do we have next? Uh, we have I'm in Love with the Homeless. Take it, Sammy. So, um, I'm in Love with the Homeless. I feel like this song is exactly what it says on the 10, um, to a degree. So, here's my theory about this, because a lot of these songs st- strike me as character sketches, kind of like um, – how some artists in the past would uh, just kind of sit around and watch people and they'd make little notes in their notebook and be like, I'm just going to write a song about what I think this person's life is. And and that's kind of the feeling I get with this. Uh, He saw a homeless person, possibly a girl, I don't know, and was like, "Uh, gee, she's kind of cute. Too bad she's homeless. And that's it. Now, with that said, I love the Beatles-esque sound of the song. Um, once again, it reminds me of previously previous Starfire material. In this case, um, a song from the She's the Queen EP, um, She Was My Sweetheart, which is one of my favorite Starfire songs currently. And I feel like this song um, really riffs on that nicely and upbeat and fun. It's um, it's probably in my top three favorite songs on this album, I would say. All right. Um, well, this... It clocks in at a whopping one minute and 39 seconds. <laughs> I agree with your whole character sketch um, um, idea. And I do for the Beatles um, references I'll mention here in a second. Um, so more fuzzy guitar on this one. I love it. The interplay between the guitar and Jeff's voice for the chorus when he sings crazy. And the guitar does that little, I think it sounds like Arcapigio, uh, maybe not, but um, I love that. It, and that's a very Beatles thing right there. Um, the rest of the song is more mid-tempo, minor key, rock and roll. Um, but what is going on in this song? And I hear what you're saying about the the girl. You know, I didn't, I haven't really thought of that. I mean, maybe because I've been listening to this song for so many years and got locked in with what I thought this song was about. But the line we said, I wish I could take you home. That reminds me of, like, I remember um, my oldest son, when he was, he was like seven or eight years old, we were driving here in Virginia Beach, and we saw a homeless person, and he was like, and, and the sign said, I'm homeless, and my son asked, hey, what does that mean? I said, well, he doesn't have a home. And the lady, he said, well, can we bring him home with us? <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> and so um, I think that, um, I, I don't know if you mentioned it or whatever, but there's a nice, um, naive feel to the lyrics on this song. And again, they're in their early 20s or whatever. So I took it as him wanting to take the person home in a sense. like, And then he, um, because he wants to take care of them or whatever. Because the humanity in you when you see a homeless person just screams out like that. But that's a child's response. But then later on, he says, flat broke, you're lazy. And I deal with mental, I deal with homeless people all in my, per, my professional life. 
And that that narrative and that myth that lone, lone, homeless people are lazy just drives me crazy. And I that, that I just cringe every time I listen to the song. And I'm like, no, I mean, who wants to live outside? If you had a choice, who wants to live out in the rain? No one. Yes, there's probably some, but that's a myth. Most of these homeless people are mentally ill who can't get jobs and keep jobs in there. Social, depending where you live, you may or may not have social programs that can take care of you. If not, then you just, you're homeless. You're out in the elements. Okay. I could go on forever. But with that said, I love this song. It's my second favorite song on this album. <laughs> love you, Jeff. Very nice. All right. Next up, we'll have um, Someday You'll Be Waiting to Aaron, take it away. All right, so we have our first appearance of Lounge Express. So we have we have Lounge Flyer, now we have Lounge Express. Jason just has it in him, I guess. Um, <laughs> so during the verses, we get that lounge element, and then during the um, chorus, we get some um, more power guitar by Jason, um, allegedly. <laughs> um, I always forget about this song, but whenever it comes, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this song. Um, and but um, with the Based um, on the lyrics here, compared to the first two songs, uh, my spidey sense is telling me that Jason probably wrote the lyrics to this song. Um, I think that's all I got to say about this. Except, you know, see, it's my ninth favorite song in this album. Um, take it, Sam. All right. So, my first thoughts when reading this is this may be one of the most mean spirited songs. And I say that lightly, right? Um, like it's it's mean in like an angsty eighteen year old way, but it may be one of the meaner songs we've reviewed in all of our uh, reviewing so far. Um, but yeah, just straight ahead angst filled song about your girlfriend ignoring you or a girl in general ignoring you. Um, but after you know, um, after you get past the lyrics, which are just okay. I do. You're right. I love uh, the the lounge sound. It's that's this is where I can really hear um, Jason's production shining through, and I love it. I wish he would like produce a whole entire actual jazz lounge album. Like that Jason, needs to happen. Please. That would be amazing. Please. <laughs> um. So the musically, this sounds like the missing link between like gold and the fashion focus. Um. If there was, if Americana didn't exist, this album would take its place. I almost feel like. Um, so yeah, that's that's my thoughts on someday you'll be waiting to. One thing I will add to that, like you were saying, like, and so also I think that why well, I think Jason probably wrote the lyrics because the the lyrics sound similar to me. It's good, but goodbyes are sad. So I can totally get that um, how that connection you made. But next up we have stocks and bonds. Uh, I guess I'll take this one. This is my eighth favorite song on this album. Um, this song reminds me of One Shot Juanita. So, again, what you were saying about gold, I totally feel that. Um, I guess we can call this the bronze album, whatever, if it was a Starfire album. Um, the surf slash lounge guitar here is beautiful. The, the late vibe, I love the late back vibe of this song. Um, it's, it just feels so great to my ears. Um, obviously, a song about a lost relationship. Man, Riverside must be awful for your relationships. <laughs> That's all I gotta say about this song. Okay, um, I, I did notice the bass line in this was really nice, like just a, a nice smooth bass. Um, so kudos to Daryl Mitchell there. 
Um, the textures on the instruments, it's like just enough fizzy texture to let you know they're using old school gear, but still smooth enough to like give it some um, professional panache kind of, if that's a thing. I get, I don't know. I just, I really like that sound. Um, lyrics, once again, um, my I wrote them. So what I wrote was, it's about someone changing as they get older and turning into a greedy stockbroker. <laughs> um, the worst people on the planet, unless you listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, uh, th- th- yeah, that's all I got. It's just, um, these songs just move at such a breakneck, pa- breakneck pace and uh, just have a... That kind of old 90s punk thing to them where it's get in, get out. I don't actually um, care if you listen to what I have to say. Um, and I just – it hurts a little bit for that. Or it helps. I like it. I, I love my huge punk rock fans. like my second genre of music. I love punk rock. Um, so next – oh, are you done with that? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Next we got Get It Straight. Take it, Sammy. All right. Um, so this song is a genuine God is love song. And what I mean by that is um, look it up on TV Tropes if you ever just want kind of a, a little laugh. It's a song that you start listening to, which I totally did, thinking it's about a girl. Until you get into the second verse and you're like, oh, He's talking about God in this case when he's like, all I want is the king with a capital K. And I'm like, oh, this is a God is love song. I haven't heard one of those in a while now. Or he was talking about you, Samuel King. You're the king he wants. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It reminds me of like that Seinfeld episode when Elaine is in the car with her boyfriend at the time and they're driving around. And he, um, he changed the station and it's a Christian rock station. And it sounds like they're talking about love, and then there's a point where, where, where it's revealed this is all about God, and Elaine has that look in her face like, oh, one of these songs. And then she's like, she's like oh, he's a Christian, and it's such a big thing. So, yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, with that said, it's uh, the lyrics are kind of simple, but like in an almost childlike, endearing way. So what it reminds me of is what an ang- angsty 18-year-old me would write for a worship song. Um, and I, I kind of get the feeling that's just a Jeff may have been in the same mindset and frame around that point in his life. And he wrote this song. Um, I also, I also wonder if Jason didn't play some guitars here. Cause that guitar noodling sounds like some stuff he would do. Yeah. So that's my thoughts on this uh, song. What do you think, Aaron? I will allow it. Um, it's another good song. Um, Jeff's hypothetical vocal here is one of my favorite parts of this album is definitely a highlight um when he gets up there i really love it i wish there was more of it on this album um it's a great song that every church should be singing every sunday i agree with you i mean it's a god is love song but i mean if you're in church that's what you're singing about right um i love the rhythm section here um it sounds heavier um than most of the songs up here and i and and like the noodling you mentioned um this which is the solo is a lot of noodling that begins at 220 to the end um, real good example of Jason showing restraint to to be true of the song. He knows when it's time to let it rip and when to remember that sometimes less is more. And I'm glad that he didn't go over the top with it. I know we, we all want Jason to like turn it up and go 
you know, wall of sound song. But sometimes, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do one shot, Juanita. You gotta do, one, you know, you know, um, she's was my sweetheart, and so I'm glad he did that here. It's my seventh favorite song. Next up is Seminar Electric. I mean, she's electric. Oh no, together we're electric. Take it, Sammy. Yes, together we are electric, Aaron. But that's also the title of this next song. Yes, it's all true. <laughs> all is all the above. So this song is like if REM played a Green Day song was my first thought, and I love that. Like it just it's so much fun. Um, I like the you know just the really peppy punk upbeat almost punk pop sound. Before that was a truly popular genre. Though, well, I guess '97 Green Day's Dookie would have been a thing. So yeah, that's what this reminds me of. Um, I agree with that. That's a good. Uh, you said REM playing a Green Day song. Is that what you said? Yeah, REM playing a Green Day song. Okay. If you're talking about the um, Green Out of Time era, then yeah, I can see that. <laughs> well, just uh, REM's jangly guitar phase, which you're right. It was yeah. uh, it was like three albums from um, Life's Rich Pageants up through Green. They had that really distinct. Um, rocky jangle sound yeah so which they stuck with but yeah on those albums it was definitely very prominent i can hear that so this the lyric and then um i find it funny so if you we we read the lyrics from the book that came in the cd case and in each of the lyrics uh the part where the song the title drop comes from is highlighted in bold well on this one <laughs> There's no title drop. So the part that he highlighted in bold was my favorite lyrics from the album. She's got wires in her head because together we're electric, I guess. And I just found that really hilarious. It's a shout out to Joy Electric. His time in Joy Electric. That's what that is. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Lyrically, it reminded me of a uh, Boy Meets World episode where uh, Corey and Topanga break up. And then they like you find out 30 seconds later, they're both running back but they miss each other and don't get a makeup in that episode. And that's kind of what this song's about. You know, I, I, uh, we both don't really want to break up with each other, but we are anyways. And, uh, I regret that. So I, I just, as far as character sketches go, it's a lot of fun. This is probably my favorite song on the album. I would say. Wow. Wow. That's a hot take <laughs> on this song, but I will say any reference to boy meets world. I endorse a hundred percent. And it should run for president. I'm voting for Topanga and Corey 2020. <laughs> um, for this, um, this song, who, Wendy James is does a layout design for this album. So I wonder if the Wendy in this song is the character in this song. Um, let us know, Jeff. Um, this is a bouncy pop song. And I, I, I love the R.E.M. Planet Green Day song reference. Perfect. This could have been a single... If they were trying to do a single for this album, it should have been this song. Um, I love the effects that's on the guitar here. The outro is stellar, too. Um, and you mentioned earlier how the, these songs are very brief and brisk. Um, and and they work, but this is the one song on the album I wish was longer. Uh, I think like with another like a guitar solo or another verse or something, just something. Gosh, this song could be... I just really like it. I wanted more of it. Um, my fourth favorite song overall, um, overall, but now that you mentioned the, the Boy Meets World, 
reference. <laughs> it might go up later. <laughs> I think that's all I have. Next, we have bigger and better. Okay. There go. So, bigger and better. Um, I'm pretty sure this is just Jeff Cloud yelling at a bigger company, which kind of re- leads credence to... Was he just, like, really mad at Tooth and Nail for turning down this album? Was that it? Like, I don't know. Maybe we'll get to ask Jeff someday. Um, maybe it's about no one and he's just ranting against, you know, the machine that pumps out all these pop artists. I don't know. But I do like how he specifically calls out his record label as, like, the underdog fighting this corporate giant, whoever they are. If I was to take a guess, it's either like a magazine or a record label that turned him down. Um, musically, it can trend, continues the trend of a kind of softer gold sound. Um, or maybe a more poppy gold sound would be the more appropriate phrase. I'm not sure. It's a, it's an okay song. It has that punk attitude of fight the power. But other than that, there's not honestly horribly too much to it that like pulls me to it over any other song here. I agree with everything you say, and Jeff was right. I agree with him. Um, whether it be him, Tooth and Nail, your theory about Tooth and Nail turning it down, he's like, screw you, Tooth and Nail. He's right, because around this time, Tooth and Nail was putting out a bunch of emo garbage, like Juliana Theory, which, I mean, I mean, I like Juliana Theory, but there's a lot of other stuff like May, and I can't even think of Amber. Hey, don't go hitting on May, man. That's, <laughs> that's some good stuff. Okay, and there <laughs> Let's just say Tooth and Nail was going in a different direction at this point. And where Jeff was going with Map and Helen and Cat Jones and other people like that, he was right. He was going in the right direction. Um, or if he was just talking about the machine in general, like on um, Jason did on Major Awards, you know, since I think these songs are probably cousins. Um, this song sounds like um, pretty much most of the songs in this album. Um, but um, I've noticed, too, like uh, recent listens as I was listening to later Starfire albums, too. A lot of the songs in this album remind me of the Starfire albums, I Am a CEO, Voice in My Head, Young in My Head, not, I'm sorry, Young in My Head, and Slow. I mean, they have the same tempos, some of the same guitars. Um, and this is the song that I was like, I think Jason's playing the drums on this song. Uh, but like you mentioned, he's done it all. Um, done all the drums on this album. Um so yeah, that's all I gotta say about that. Um, I love the punk rock. You know, screw you two. Either, whether it be Tooth and Nail or just the music industry in general, Jeff, you were right. You were y'all were better. And this is my third favorite song in this album. And next up, we have Middle Class Death Rock. To take it, Sam. All right. Hey, speaking of fight the power, this song um, sort of feels like a cousin to the previous song. And the fact that he's talking about the industry a little bit. In this case, I think he's making fun of, like, aging acts that are still trying to be, like, angsty and edgy. Um, like, when they were young. Um, and so around this time, uh, we would be looking at, like, 70s acts that are still trying to go it strong. Like, I don't know, Ozzy Osbourne, I guess. And um, he's just like, no, you're not, you're not cool anymore. You're not edgy. Get over yourself. Um, but this is also kind of ironic because there's, I feel like nowadays, nostalgia acts are 
even bigger than they ever were. You you have all kinds of acts that are in their, you know, 60s and 70s still touring and still, like, trying to be punk. And, no, just, like, act your age. Um, I could call out some artists right now, but just, just act your age. Um, I feel like Young in My Head uh, by Starfire. 49 just released this last year is a great example of a rock star acting their age. And uh, yeah, he's just kind of making fun of people who don't do that. So musically, this is probably the most boring song up to this point, which is a, which is a shame because if you have a song <laughs> making fun of middle-class death rock, it should have been a death rock song. I'm just saying that would have been hilarious. <laughs> Or you could have done what Pat Boone did on his like metal album and sung in the, the like lounge, which Jason loves doing. <laughs> yeah, so um, that's that's my take on this song, Aaron. What do you think? So I think a lot about this song. Um, this is probably one of the greatest song titles I've ever seen. I remember when I first got this album, I looked on the back for the song titles and thought, I'm gonna love this song. And I put it in the CD, and I listened, and unfortunately, I really do love this song. Because at this point, this song, the songs start to sound the same, and this song sounds like so many of the other songs in this album. But the harmonica sound in the background is welcome, because it adds some diversity of sound. And diversity of sound is always a good thing. Um, I agree with what you said about the whole aging rocker thing, you know, back in the 70s. Um I mean, in the 90s, 70s, rockers were still trying to hold on. And, like, even today, you have people like Iggy Pop, who just released an album. He's still touring. And he was out in the 60s. So um, I think the lines where he says, the the black, uh, how's it go? Let me see. Let me get this. The black you wear will start to fade, and everyone will know you're, you're wearing gray. I think that is, like, a reference to, like, when these guys tour, um, they're still wearing their, their rock garb, whether it be the black hair, black fingernail polish, leather, Iggy with his shirt off, whatever. But everybody knows, you know, you're old, you know. We're sad just like you are. That's why we're all here for this sad experience, you know. And um so I yeah, it's a kind of a punk I'm, like Aaron agree, it's it's in the pot punk rock um ethos because you know, put a middle finger to the establishment that, you know, you're allowing this to go on. These guys shouldn't be touring anymore. You know, it shouldn't. So I really appreciate the song for that because, I mean, it happens not just in rock, you know, rap, R&B, country, all genres. I mean, you have people like Salt and Pepper from the 80s. They still tour. It's just like they haven't put an album out in like 20 years or something like that. So I totally feel and, and I do want to point out, I have nothing against people touring long past their due date. That is awesome. More power to them. Just don't try and pretend like you're still 25. I agree. And yeah, and I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. Like, if you, if that's what you're doing, you, look, if somebody said to me, hey, look, Salt and Pepper, you can make, you know, you, you can make $3 million do this tour. Heck yeah, do it. Yeah, I have nothing. I'm not saying that, but yeah. You're old. And like, for example, like Prince, when he got older, when he was like in his 40s, 50s, he wasn't singing about all this crazy sex stuff. He wasn't talking about threesomes and all this crazy stuff he'll still you know he's mature he's talking about more mature things you know like you know protecting the environment you know you know have you know stuff like that you know you know love like between a man and woman like more simple stuff you know it wasn't like all this crazy stuff that 20 year olds do so like like you said with jason he's writing more stuff 
that's age appropriate. Nobody wants to hear R. Kelly in his 40s, 50s talking about clubs and threesomes. This is it's gross. I mean, come on, you're not bad anymore. <laughs> yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I think, all right, I so that's. Probably this one. <laughs> All right, so that's middle class death rock. Um, hey, Aaron, how do you feel I, about Friday night? I think you should start. Okay. Um, <laughs> so this I feel like doesn't even count as a song. What this what this is is um, this is 1997. So Oasis would have been huge, top of their game, right? Um, Jeff heard an Oasis song on the radio and said, ooh, I can do that. He got a fourth of the way through and said, okay, that's good enough. Let's slap it on the album. And that's the story of Friday night. (laughs) Aaron, how do you feel about it? Okay, Friday night. All right. My my only song I don't like on this, 10th. I don't even like this song. So next up is Before September. So we have um, a reference to Mount Rubio. I think that's how you say it. You know what that is, um, Sam? So I actually went ahead and looked it up um, because I was like, that's that's a very specific reference. So it's apparently a mountain from Riverside, California, where they're all from. And it's also a national park. Um so yeah, that's uh, it's interesting to specifically mention a landmark from your hometown. Um, him and Jason like referencing their local Riverside area a lot in their lyrics. And according to this album, it sounds terrible. But um, I really, um, this, to me, these lyrics are about a, a marriage that's falling apart. And earlier, I mentioned how like the song "Let the Good Lord Guide You" mentioned September. This album does too, but it actually says after August came. You know, so August came and then next to September. Um, these lyrics right here, um, the, the the meat of this, the second verse for me is like, um, I'm tired of all the common names of all the childish games. I'm tired of you. It's time that you fess up all the things you screwed up, including me. <laughs> and for those of us who've been through um, marriages or relationships that have been multiple years, um, Depending on how, sometimes they're amicable, they're fine, but sometimes they're hard or they're painful. And sometimes, you know, the, your partner's acting like a child. And sometimes you're acting like a child. And so you need to be called out for that. And I don't know what's going on, who, who was in pain. Um, but uh, this song, when I first heard it, you know, when I was old, um, younger, I was married. Um, and so didn't really feel much into the song. But later on, after the divorce and all that stuff, the song there became very personal to me and so i love these lyrics um because the lyrics and the, the, the music is pretty good too a slower and the whispery voice that jeff uses perfect this is my favorite song on this album it's not even close this and i'm in love with the homeless are like the best songs up there and pretty much everything else is kind of like forgetful when i so that's what i feel about this song how about you sam so it's funny because those are my top three songs too um and you're right. Everything else on here is kind of forgetful except for those three songs. Before September, um, We Are Electric and In Love with the Homeless, I think, are the three best songs on here. Um, so I find it interesting. A classic breakup song to end the album. And you're right. It bookends with the first song very nicely. 
like because it starts and ends with a song that's about falling apart relationship and specifically mentioned September, you're almost tricked into believing this is a concept album, even though I think it just happens to be the first and last song he wrote for this album. Um, Possibly. Possibly. With that said, uh, it feels like a closer with a melodic guitar um, reminding me a lot of One Shot Juanita. Um, in fact, this one, our album reminds me so much of gold. I just, as soon as I got done with it, I'm like, I want to listen to gold now. I went back and listened to gold and, um, I'm like, I was too harsh on that album. Someday a revised review will be coming. You done messed up, Samuel. I do it. I told you, but, but, but full disclosure though, there's a, uh, an album or review later for Starfire that I just do not like. I rarely listen to it, and then recently I've been listening to it, and it's been coming alive and really growing on me. And had we done this review, it would have been a 180 view of how I feel now. So I'm sorry that you had yours recorded. Love you, Sam. <laughs> it happens. Um, also, on a side note, what is that squeaky noise? It's like near the end of the song. I know, yes. What is that? I love it. I don't know. If yeah. I was thinking it was like a chair or a door, and they didn't. They were like, "I just keep it in the recording. What's it matter?" <laughs> I love it though. I love it. I, yeah, it drives me crazy. I have no idea what it is. All right, so that's uh, before September, and that's this album. Uh, man, what a brisk oh, album! That was. I think our, our review is longer than the album. <laughs> oh, it is by a long shot. <laughs> it's hilarious. So, what are your overall views of this album, Sam? So this album feels like a first album in a lot of ways. Um, Specifically, it sounds like a first album by an 18-year-old kid who adores um, whatever influences influenced gold. And I don't know, maybe it's just because Jason produced it that it has so much of that sound in it. But um, it, it sounds like, you know, someone who didn't know how to separate their own artistry from their influences yet. And, um... So it, it saps a lot from that. It also sounds like, you know, that young kid who wrote a whole of character sketches down in their journal and um, decided to put them to music. And sadly, a lot of those sketches feel kind of unfinished. I don't want to be too harsh on this album. I mean, it's it's a pleasant listen, but it's unremarkable. Other than those three songs, none of them even grab me really, and I don't really uh remember anything i heard after the fact um however on the other hand this does feel more streamlined and lyrically direct than any of a gold and it's probably a good entry point for someone that you want to introduce to the starflyer family to the starflyer slash joy electric family um because honestly if you set someone that mainly listens to the radio down and put silver on they're probably going to panic and run out of the room screaming right they Uh, will be triggered for sure (laughs) and whereas if you turn this album on they could probably be like okay i can stomach this and then kind of slowly kind of ease their way in so yeah that's uh my thoughts on this music um one and a half for music so 1.5 it just felt the music felt super derivative and uh that's a shame uh 
lyrics, I give it two. The character sketches were fun, even if a little bit underdeveloped. Overall, I only give it a one. It's not a horribly memorable album to me. So four and a half stars out of nine, or four and a half points. Whatever. We've never actually called what our points are. We just call them points. But um, four and a half guitar picks out of nine? Sure. Um, yeah, that's that's my thoughts on this. What, what are your thoughts, sir? Is that guitar picks? Can we do, like, um, I don't know, like sideburns, like the that Jason had Ooh, like a, four and a half sideburns out of nine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I agree with a lot of you said it's it's not a super like it's not remarkable, but it's not terrible. It's it's a very it's not average. Like you, like I listen to it like every once in a while I'll, I'll listen to it, or if I have it on my play, you know, my shuffle on my um, Spotify playlist if it comes on. I don't ever skip it, but it's very rarely that I seek it out. But when I listen to it, I really like it. Um, so I agree with you on that. Um, I'm glad that Friday Night didn't end it because I think if Friday Night was the last song on this album, I think it would have like really changed how, the overall, how I feel about this album. Could you imagine that, Sam, if Friday Night was the last song on this album? Like I said, that wasn't even a real song. That was like the definition of filler. Um yeah, that just so that song. I just I I don't have too many words for it, honestly. Uh, I'm sorry, I even spoke its name again. But anyway, so back on to the, so yeah, overall I, I agree it's a good start. And compared to the rest of the Pony Express experience, this song it gets crazy. You don't have to worry about any no de- being derivative at all. They get some choruses, they get a choral element, they get some acid jazz in there. It gets bananas i love it um but um yeah overall it's a pleasant album um let's see um musically um i'll give it about a what'd you give it uh you said a one and a half for music yeah i gave it a one and a half for music i think i'll give it a two because although it's derivative i do love what it's derived from <laughs> it's derived from the gold sound which i really like so i'll give it a two um lyrically i'll also give it a two because i really like i mean Especially for you know early twenties, very poetic um, lyrics throughout. And then as far as you know being memorable, I give it a one because I mean, like we both mentioned, you know, it's not something that really sticks in our brain. So it's like a, I give you gave it four and a half. I guess I give it five sideburns, five um, Americana sideburns. <laughs> All right, there you guys have it. Um, so. Uh, tell us we your thoughts. We took a deep dive to the Eastwood dive. How do you feel, Sammy? Um, I mean, I feel like uh, I uh, I visited the Eastwood dive. I guess. I mean, oh, um, we didn't mention that. it earlier. Yeah. yeah. The album cover art. Um, Eastwood dive. I'm assuming that picture is supposed to be the Eastwood dive, and the album cover is like this really grimy, nasty-looking apartment. Like a and lot then, of. Look like a lot of meth overdoses happen in this place. It's it's, it's terrible. But I love it. It like it has a it's grungy, good. cool look to it. It fits the music perfectly. It was a great. It was a great decision. Of the decision it was. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So that's this album, guys. Tell us what you think. Uh, do you love it? Do you hate it? Email us at um, Brothers King Media BC Love. At gmail.com. 
We're on the social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, Blue Collar Love Podcast. There. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. And as always, this has been a Brothers King Media production. Thank you, guys. Goodbye.